Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Michael, it's so good to see you. Great to see you too, Drew. I'll tell Appreciate you, you have me on here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, I tell you, every time I, I speak with you, I come out with one thing, well, more than one thing, but at least one thing that I'm like, wow, that was awesome. So so I will expect a lot out of you on this one since we're going to be on for about 20, 25 minutes. So here we go. All right. <laughs> so so I, uh, you know, in, in this podcast, I, I my mission is really to get to the crux of what how so how somebody is defined what defining moment in their life kind of hit them upside the head and said hey there's a better way to live and i'm gonna find it and and i i know some of your story i don't know all of your story uh i know it's a good story and i admire who you are and where you are right now and i know that didn't take a straight line to get there so uh if you're willing and able go back as far as you feel necessary to get to that point that helped define you to who you are right now? All right. Well, you know, I'll go back when I was a young lad. I'll go back to my teenage years and uh, always doing little odd jobs, whether it was mowing lawns uh, from, I'm from the East coast of Canada. So we were shoveling a lot of snow. Um, I was doing newspaper routes. I was helping start newspaper routes. So early mornings before school, after school, always had something to do and just making pocket change. Uh, working at the bingo halls in the evening time, selling uh, pop and chips and cigarettes and all that type of stuff. But I never had no real uh, goals as far as school went. And uh, so grade 10, you know, I was just going to take my regular general stuff. I didn't, I wasn't planning on going on to college or anything. And, uh, but there was no jobs out there. I knew that the steel plant where we lived, that was closing. And, but I still didn't have any goals for a job. And so I got into grade 11 and then I thought, well, maybe I will go to university. So I, I talked to my counselor and we, we ended up switching me to academic and, and that was fine. I still didn't really, wasn't interested in school that much, but I did enough to pass. And uh, I was in the military at the same time. Oh, wow. I was in the reserves uh, during high school and that, that was good. I was making money as a weekend warrior, as they say, a couple of nights a week, working odd jobs. And uh, when I finished, I went off, uh, graduated, then I went off on a call out to Western Canada to a, a, um, a camp. It was a cadet camp called Vernon in up in Vernon, B.C. And I spent the summer there. And when I came back, um, I had done one year of university and I ended up working in a restaurant and okay. I started as a busboy. And they told me, listen, you'll you'll uh, get promoted pretty quick. You'll either become a waiter or you'll go down to the cabaret and be a bartender. And I thought, wow, that's right up my alley, right? Because mm -hmm. you're giving service, you're making tips, so on and so forth. Right. Well, I was too good of a busboy because everybody else under me would just quit all the time. And I was so, two years later, I'm still a busboy. Oh, boy. And my attitude was, hey, listen, if the tables aren't clean, nobody's going to sit down to eat. But I helped the waitresses and the, and the waiter that was there, and I did a great job. And two years in, it was Valentine's of 1988, Drew. And I said, you know what? Enough is enough. And uh, I ended up putting my resume in or my uh, resignation in the next day. I gave them two weeks and they're like, oh, no, we'll put you in the kitchen. You know, we'll give you <laughs> another job or whatever. And I was like, no, this is it. All oh, the owners are noticing you. And I said, no, this is it. 
And I had a I had a saying on my on my wall at the time. It said, "We the willing are doing the impossible for the ungrateful. We've done so much for so long with so little. We're now qualified to do anything with nothing." And, wow. And I had that on my wall for probably a few years. And at that point, it was just a turning point where I said, "Enough is enough." And so I quit, and I started beating the pavement, basically looking for a sales job. Okay. And I was knocking on doors. I was 22 at the time, Drew. Nobody was interested in hiring me. Just a young kid. Had no had no experience in sales. And anyway, I ended up that I, I seen an ad in the paper and I answered an ad for a company called Electrolux. And it was okay. at the time they were looking for someone to shampoo carpets. So I went in for the interview. It was in March. Um, ended up going back shortly after for another interview and 10 days later they hired me basically march the 18th i was hired wow and i was given a vacuum cleaner shampoo and, and another gentleman who didn't have a car and we went out started knocking on doors wow and he lasted maybe two to three days and i just kept at it. i knew i had a good product start shampooing carpets it was 10 days of morning till night before i actually made my first sale um i still remember where it was at my <laughs> aunt actually lives in that house today um Anyway, made my first sale and got excited about the business. Right. And what it was was that I was in charge of myself, mm, you know? Yes. And yeah. um, I, I can still remember my dad saying, hey, listen, if, if, if you don't have unemployment insurance, um, if you get laid off or whatever, you know, you need something that has that. And I, I was like, listen, dad, if the only way that I'll stop making money is if I stop working. Mm, and so that was my motto. And I just wanted to build a customer service base. And I, my motto at that time um, with the product was A1, was that I'm going to treat everybody like I would treat my grandparents. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people laughed at me and said, you'll never make it in sales. Everybody's got a vacuum. Nobody needs one. But I didn't listen to that. And I just went out and just kept doing my work. You know, I had my, what they call the law of rhythm, my ups and downs. Of course. Uh, but I, I made it through my first year. I learned a lot. And then kind of went into management after that, Drew. So, you know, I've been with the comp that company for 35 years now. But, uh, you know, that was a turning point for me. I started with Zig Ziglar was the first person who actually, um, when it came to the sales, I picked up one of his books. I would read right. it every night when I got home. And then Les Brown and Jim Rohn and a number of different mentors. Um, but I really started setting goals at that time. And I, before that, I mean, other than sports and that type of stuff, I really didn't know anything about goals. Mm, okay. And so I started learning more and got really into the personal development side of it, started working with other salespeople, uh, teaching and training, taking them out and, you know, overcoming the paradigm. Drew, as you've heard me talk about, the paradigm right. is our belief system. Absolutely. And luckily for me, I didn't listen to some of those people because their belief was I couldn't do it. But that yeah. wasn't my belief. There were a lot and, of messages uh, like that and you turn those away, thankfully. You yep. turn them away. And so, you know, I learned a lot from working with other people because, you know, they would be interested in starting what I did, but then their family, they'd go home and people would tell them what I was told. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a vacuum. No one's going to buy one. You're, that you'll never last. And so a lot of people ended up, uh, you know, not doing the business because of what other people had said. But yeah, But there was those that did. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I had a sales force and we, we taught and we trained and, uh, you know, I learned what the paradigm was about. Now, I always used to say the hardest door to get through was my car door. 
because you know you got to get out and you got to knock on doors but your mind will tell you all kinds of different excuses why you can't do it right you know and you could be driving for a while and you know i've had those days but yet i knew park my car get out and take action and start doing it and so i learned how to do that in the same when we start getting into telemarketing so that was pretty much the business side of it i went and i operated my first store after two years uh, a few years after that i had four stores that I was operating. And then um, it came around 2000, and I, I had you know, some really great years. Uh, we won the National Sales Cup in 1999, mm -hmm. which is like, it's equal to winning the Stanley Sales Cup. Uh, wow. 500 stores, you're the number one in North America. So it was big. Um, but you know, in 2003, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Yeah, thank you. And that was a turning point. Right. And uh, there were some changes going on in the company at the time. And you know what? I took six months off, Drew, and I said, I'm going to spend it with my mom and dad, help out where I can. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, she she was a trooper. Um, she ended up passing in 2005. I'd say she transitioned out of her body. I, yeah. I think I watched her as she left, you know, because yeah, uh, I looked up. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And um but she, where I lived at the time, I lived on a lake. It was a private lake. There was three of us, I think, that were full-time and four part-time people, no motorboats. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother used to always say, what a piece of heaven you have. And it was. It was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, after she had left, I kind of started thinking about things. And, you know, at that time, I was, I don't know, I was early 40s, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, what else is there? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing well, um, but is there more? And I started thinking like a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, is there something out there for me? So anyway, I ended up calling the, the gentleman in Toronto, Richard. I said, listen, is there a franchise available? And he said to me, he said, Windsor, Ontario's thinking about selling. And I got the map out. Now I'm in Nova Scotia on the east okay. coast of Canada. Right. I've right. traveled a lot, but I've never been to Windsor. I got okay. the map out and I looked at it and it said Toronto, London, Windsor, and then Detroit. Like we're a border oh, city like with right Detroit. Board. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so anyway, I made a few phone calls in August of that year. I came up to Windsor for a week and it was just amazing. I love the, the weather is totally different. It's a really warm climate here. Mm. Um, you know, winters are a bit cold, but nothing compared to the East coast. The people were great. The vegetation was amazing. Um, so anyway, I came up for a week. I went back home and I packed up my car in September and I had drove back up. Okay. Now, when I went back home, my paradigm kicked in, Drew. Uh, why okay. would you want to leave here? What? Why would you want to go there? And so this started playing in my mind, right, you know? Right. And even friends of mine, like they would say, well, "Why are you doing that? Why would you go there? You know, what you you got a life right here." And I kid you not, I made that decision because I said to myself, "I know there's more out there for me." Yes. And um, a couple of days before I was leaving, there was a party for me, and a number of people come up and they said, "Mike." I wish I could do what you were doing. I wish I could actually make that move. Mm -hmm. And so I say today, it's one of the best moves I ever made, Drew. Um, I moved up here, started building up the sales, done very well. Um, met my wife. Uh, we ended up another, another uh, get, there. Yeah, yeah. getting married. I have a 10-year-old son now, Jackson. You're Just right. uh, unbelievable. But, you know, I knew there was more. And so that was a, a big turning point. But what ended up happening in around 2016, like I told you, with Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn, Les Brown, 
Um, a number Brian Tracy. I studied under these guys and I put that into my business under, you know, attitude and personal development because you've got to guard your mind against people. Um, because there's a lot of negativity coming at you on a continuous basis. That's why I was big into the, you know, personal development side of it. But I knew of Bob Proctor from the movie, The Secret. And in 2016, I ended up taking one of his courses. And from there, I ended up a couple of more courses online. And then I went down to Los Angeles, um, spent three days at one of his seminars. And just, I was just amazed at the, uh, the energy that Bob had, Yes, you know, This guy was three days on the stage, 84 years old, um, just just an amazing individual. But the information that he had, it was just just something else. But it was taking that information, putting it into action. That was the thing about Bob was mindset. Yes. 5% strategy, 95% mindset. We can come up with all the greatest ideas and the greatest strategies. But if we don't take action, Mm -hmm. nothing ever happens. Absolutely. And so he taught a lot about the laws of the universe and. So I thought to myself, you know, Drew, I said to myself, I said, this is something that I have to teach. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought I knew a lot, but after listening to Bob, I, I realized that I didn't know a, a hell of a lot. Yeah. You know, I knew a lot about sales. I knew a lot about persistence, right. um, you know, taking action. But still, there was so much more to be learned. And yeah. so I started, uh, I started as one of Bob's consultants, uh, coaching with him. Mm. And so now I'm on my fourth year wow. and uh, it's just amazing. And I, you know, we have a re- regime of studying and making sure, you know, we do things early in the morning, set the day up. But uh, that was a turning point for me also. And, you know, there's a number of things that I, I benefited from right. just becoming a, a, a consultant and learning mm. about uh you know, the different laws and that type of stuff, Drew. Right. But one of the biggest ones was putting the ego aside. And not to one say I had a big ego. One of the hardest but, things to do, most difficult, yeah. challenging. You know, and, uh, you know, putting the focus on other people. Mm. And I, I think I've always was that way. Um, yeah. but, but I realized listening to Bob, you know, Bob had this thing about uh, W-I-F-M or M-F. What's, make what's me M-M-F. A, make MMFI, make me feel important. He said, put that on everybody's forehead. And I used to hear the one about, you know, around everybody's neck is the sign that says their name. Uh-huh. You always address people by their name. Oh, and when you get a name, right. you, you remember it. Right. Because people just love to hear their own name. But with that MMFI, make me feel important, that's one of the most important things. And it's listening to people. Right. And, you know, we think we listen with our ears, but we don't. We listen with our emotions. Mm, you're right. Absolutely. And if you think about it, a lot of times when it comes to listening, we go off on a, a thought trip. We may be listening to someone and then they say something and then that takes us somewhere it's else. That's something we have to absolutely. You know? Yeah. And the other thing is when it comes to listening, a lot of times we're listening to respond to the person. Mm. Absolutely. So we're already ahead of it when we should be just listening to take it in. Absolutely. Don't worry about coming up with a response. Mm-hmm. You know, so just little things like that. I, I, There's so much. The impression of increase, always leaving people better than you found them. Right, right. So it's just those little things, Drew, that are important. Well, it's true. And, and you had mentioned um, routines. And now I've been doing a lot of research on routines. You know, of course, when I wanted to start a routine, I automatically started my morning routine. And I got to a lot of thinking 
that it might be better to start with your night routine than your morning routine. Because I'm just, you know, thinking that not only do we need oxygen and water to survive, we need sleep to survive. And if you have a very crappy night routine, it's going to mess your morning routine up anyway. So tell me a little about your philosophy on routines and what your thought pattern is on evening routines, morning routines, or how it all comes together. Yeah, you know, sleep is so important. I used to be 12 o'clock at night up at six o'clock in the morning. That would vary a little bit sometimes. Um, but now my nighttime regime, sometimes I'm in bed at 930. Mm-hmm. 1030 is usually a later evening for me. But I give advice sometimes when people have trouble getting up in the morning. And I'll mm-hmm. say the night before, take your pen and paper and write down, I am going to wake up at, what time do you want to wake up? And they say seven o'clock. They're used to getting up at eight o'clock, but they'd love to get up at seven. I am going to wake up at seven o'clock with a smile on my face. And I said, write it three times before you go to bed. And you got to start to train your subconscious. Mm. So that's one thing I do for people when they want to get up a little bit earlier. You got to start working on that. Right. Um, But what you should be doing the night before, Drew, is making sure you know what you want to do the next day. Great. So you could, yeah, you could take that piece of paper and pen and write out the three or four most important things that you need to do tomorrow. And so you go to sleep, you already know your subconscious starts to work for you, you get up in the morning and you start to take action. So for me, again, getting up in the morning. So this morning I was up at 4.30 a.m. Eastern time. I'm always up five o'clock every morning, but three days a week I get up at 4.30. Okay. But I'm on a 6 a.m. success club call Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So six o'clock to seven o'clock we have a group on our call 6am success club and we study different things right now we're studying uh psycho cybernetics by maxwell maltz a phenomenal okay. book okay. Uh, but no it's getting some of that studying about what you need to do writing your goals out writing a gratitude um this is the time of the day when you want to get that done early and the time you give yourself and if you do a workout or whatever it's early so when eight o'clock eight thirty nine o'clock comes you're ready to start your day Right. That's when you, you know, you really start working on your goals. Mm -hmm. Your earlier time is when you're working on yourself. Yourself. Right. Yeah. You are the best investment, as we've said. I've said that to my salespeople all the time. You're the best investment you could ever make. Yeah. I say that to people now. Yeah. Because you got to, you've got to invest in yourself. And so, and again, it's not just the time when you talk about routines, investing good food making sure you're getting the right information, making sure you're drinking lots of water, making sure you're guarding your time so that you've got a good routine set up. And then you start to perfect that routine more and more because listen, we only have one life, Drew. We're only going through once, Once. you know? So let's, let's live it the best way that we can. And and that's what I promote. Like I I'm all about a healthy body, a healthy mind, healthy lifestyle. Um, is it easy sometimes? No. But, you know, if you work on it continuously, mm-hmm. it's, it gets better. And, you know, the more aware you are, the better it is, too. They say 94 to 96 percent of everything that we do is by habit. Is that unbelievable? Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. You know, and so that's the way it is. But when you start writing stuff out, you start becoming aware and get get a good habits down. Then at least you're doing something that's working for you and not against you. 
there's true. a lot of things we do that are just automatic. We don't think about it and they're not really probably in the best interests. So when you right. start really taking action on things that are good for you, and that's why I always talk about uh, pen and the notepad, you know, write things down, start really thinking about what you're doing. And, you know, that creates more ideas, the better you're going to be. Yeah, no, it's so true. And, and you know, I, I think I, I've been reading about that. Just putting pen to paper, it does something for the brain. It helps anchor that that information a lot, a lot better, a lot deeper. Yeah. You get a lot of those neurons in the brain working, right? Yeah. yeah. And is, there's a lot of different thing. secrets to it, but you truthfully yeah. um, get you a journal is one of the best things you in a good pen. Yeah. So when you talk about journaling, I mean, I did, I do my gratitude journal. I write down a hundred things I'm grateful for each day. I write that down. Um, oh. When it comes to the other, I, than the other journaling. I'm not as good now as I'm going to be. But when you journal, some people tell me do a brain dump. Some people say, you know, write down the things that are on your mind bothering you. And what's your recommendation when it comes to journaling? So it's whatever, whatever works for people. But for myself, like I have some mantras, but you know, affirmations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, your goals. So I write down my goals and sometimes I'll write them three times and they're not big, just a paragraph. Yeah. Something you can image into your mind. You're writing your goals. You do your affirmations. Uh, you could do a self-image script. But in my journal, it's the same thing every single day. Okay. Right? Because what I'm doing is repetition, Drew. Right. Repetition. Don't get me wrong. I've got different pages and different types of little books around where I can write stuff in and I can work on a situation or a problem. But when I talk about my journal, it's a daily. So it's my goals. And my affirmations mm -hmm. and self-image script. And then I have a separate one for gratitude too. Right. But you know, that's really where it's at is repetition mm -hmm. because you want to be having that same goal going over and over and over in your mind. Absolutely. Because we see in pictures, right? And the clearer you get it, the better it's going to be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody I, should have a goal. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. In regard, w whether or not it's professional, personal, you have to have something to, I, I say, have something to look forward to. Yeah, you do. Um, we are goal seeking organisms. Yes, we are. Okay. So we're meant to grow continuously. Right. And that's all a goal is. A lot of people think a goal is about getting something, you know, because we set material goals, you know, right, the house, right. the car, the boat, yeah. whatever it might be, the trip, right. but it's about growing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's not about getting, it's who you become in the, in, in the process of it. Mm -hmm. And if the goal is big enough and it has to be a big goal, right. you're going to do things that may be uncomfortable, but that's how you grow, right? That's how you overcome and you learn from your mistakes. You Absolutely. overcome fears, you build up your confidence. So yeah, we have to have the goals, but a lot of people don't have goals, but you should have them and you should have them written down. I carry with me, Drew, and I got one. I'll just pull it out here. Yeah. I got two of them, matter of fact. But um, my goal cards. Got it. So you have them with you all the time. So what I write out, I also have on my card. So that card's with me all the time. Back when I started in sales, I used to keep it in my pocket. I used to say my goal is always close to my heart. I love that. I love a lot that. of shirt, a lot of my shirts. This one does, but yeah, a lot of my shirts don't have, have pockets, yeah. right? pocket. Yeah. As long as I got it, when I touch it, I kind of feel that and, and it reminds me. But seriously, writing things out, having your goal. So I write it out every day. So it's give me, clear. Give me an example of one of your goals, because a lot of people chase results. And so their goals are like these results that keep 
you know, you may never get to. And then that's why people stop writing their goals. There's a way yeah. there are good goals and there are not so good goals. Give me an example yeah. of one of your goals that you that you follow. Well, I won't give you an example. One of my go my goals are big goals, but a health goal is I yeah, am so happy and great grateful now yeah. that I am healthy and fit. I'm having fun every day. There we go. Now, that's an ongoing goal. I wrote that in my journal that I got from Zig Ziglar back in 1988. There you go. Awesome. I wrote a whole list of goals and health was one of those goals. That I've always, all my life, I've always believed in being, you know, healthy and staying healthy, but that's one of the goals. Now it could be, here's a simple one too. Okay. I'm so happy and grateful now that I achieve 15 sales every month. Mm. So if you're in the sales business, I don't know what you're selling, cars, RVs, airplanes, boats. I'm so happy and grateful now that I am achieving 15 sales every month. Now, you could switch that up as you write it. I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm putting 15 people into their dream home. I'm so happy and grateful now that 15 people are driving the car that they love to drive. See, I See, love that you, you put write that. I love that because the thing is you're tying – something tangible but to a, a, a visceral reaction the the emotion the emotional tie um to to you're doing something for somebody the service piece of it yeah i love that, I love that. and you know in sales is something and this is again when it comes to sales everybody's a salesperson drew whether yeah. they want to admit it yeah. or not We're selling ourselves every day yeah yeah but a lot of people have this thing about sales right oh salesmen you know but sales is something you do for somebody, not to somebody. Yeah, too, exactly. So you're helping people. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way people have to look at sales. Yeah. Um, they say 80% of people that go to university never use what they went to university for. They don't use that degree in, the, in where yeah. they end up working. Yeah. So a lot of people end up in sales jobs right. or sales positions. Well, sales yeah. is a profession. Right. So you have to be learning all the time. Mm -hmm. But in the back of, of a lot of people's minds is that old you know, the fast talking salesman, yeah. the sales put yep. the foot in the door, the used yeah. car salesman. Ugh. So they're salespeople, but yet in the back of their mind, they have all these things about how bad a salesperson yeah. is. Exactly. Exactly. They have to overcome that. Yeah. And they can become great salespeople if they could learn. But again, a lot of salespeople, they don't study, they don't uh, you know, do seminars, take courses. Sales is a profession. You got to be at it continuously. Yeah. Well, it's also about building relationships and that, that there, I mean, I was trained not the proper way because I was trained with that foot in the door approach, door in the face, all this kind of stuff. And it's about building relationships. And that's what Bob Proctor was all about. Zig Ziglar was all about. It was all building yep. relationships and that's where it's at. And what concerns me with like all this stuff with the pandemic, these young kids now who are locked down, they are having trouble ha communicating with people face to face and having that yeah. personal discussion. And we've got to help these kids be able to relate interpersonally again. Um, seems to be lost with some of the generations now. You're so right, Drew. And uh, you know, there's, there's different things that we look at there, but I want you to think about this and for your audience, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're humans, but we have hearts and we're heart to heart mm -hmm. our subconscious, right. Mm -hmm. You know, we got the we got the conscious level, but there's also the subconscious, the heart to heart, yeah. how people are feeling, you know, and what's going on today. There's been a lot of trauma. I mean, you know yourself what goes on out there. They say 60 percent of the people have gone through some form of trauma. Mm -hmm. okay? 
Then we went through this pandemic, which mm-hmm. probably added even more to oh, it. Absolutely did. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're in a society where, yes, we have these devices and a lot of people are kind of hooked onto it. But we got to get back to more face to face. We got to we got to take a stand sometimes, even with our children. Yeah. On how much screen time they should be having. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because this eyeball to eyeball is the best. It is. It is. It's, and if we lose that, or kids lose that, yeah. they're they're losing a big part of society, or what's going to help them in society. And I, and I, and I, there are, there is a good subset, a large subset of these kids who are realizing that because uh, like with my kids will come to me and say, dad, I'm having trouble with, you know, they're, they're, cause I've always been one to, to want to tell them, you know, you gotta tell people how you feel. And hey, we gotta, we gotta knock that stereotype that boys or men, you know, shouldn't ask for help. I am so sick of hearing that. So. I know. I know. <laughs> I'll tell you. We all we all can ask for help. We all need listen, there's nothing wrong with it, right? But but again, mm-hmm. it's part of how we're brought up, right? It is. It is. I can do that. It is. I don't need any help. Yep, absolutely. I'm I'm strong. Hey, it's a strength to ask for help, everybody. So I could sit with Mike Michael for, for hours. I want to ask you a, a couple questions and then we'll wrap it up. Uh let the audience define uh, you know, learn how it's easy to find you. So I want you to, <clears throat> you're sitting down with young Michael, seven to 10 year old, young Michael. And he asked you to give him some advice about life. So what are you going to tell your younger self, seven to 10 year old Michael about life? Yeah, talking to myself when I was seven to 10 years old, my dad used to say, man, you're going to go through the school of hard knocks. That's what he used to say to me, Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I would I would say to that young Michael, listen more, mm-hmm. pay attention, just just listen, give other people a chance. Don't don't worry about thinking that you know you know it or you can do it. Even though you're young, just listen more, accept help. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest thing I could say, Drew. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so young Michael is going to listen and accept help. Now you're going to switch your hat. And you're sitting down with young Michael, the businessman entrepreneur, ready to venture out in the business world. And you'd like to give him some advice. What are you going to tell young Michael, the businessman entrepreneur, ready to set the world on fire? You know, you can go out and you can make it in business. Do the right things. Ask for help because everybody needs a bit of help. And, you know, look for the right mentors. That's one of the things that, you should definitely have is a good mentor and don't forget about your family. Mm-hmm. No matter how focused you get, mm-hmm. remember your family. Cause at the end of the day, they're the people that are going to be there for you. Yeah. You know, and you may go off on a, on a track, but always remember your family loves you and they'll always be there for you. I love that. I love that, Michael. And you know, uh, many of us, especially men lose sight of, that because in our mind our caveman mind we're there to feed the family right and so we put so much emphasis on making money and and climbing that ladder and we do forget the family i mean look at the divorce rate in this country i mean and and in canada too and oh it's yeah and the suicide rate we take ourselves too seriously in business and if that goes south men tie their self-identity to their profession 
And I, you know, I was just reading about the rate, the suicide rates in Canada are going through the roof too. It's it's, it's, scary. it's unbelievable. Yeah. And Drew, when I say that, because I didn't get married till I was 44. Okay. okay. Actually, I got my, my 44, 45. No, no, sorry. I was 47. My okay. 11th, my 11th anniversary is going to be on Saturday. Well, I was never married before because I was on the road sales, right. you know, right, right, direct right. sales all my life. Mm -hmm. and that's why I say the best move I ever made. Something brought me to Windsor, Ontario. Yes. I live in Amosburg yeah. now. Exactly. But my wife and my son, and I mean, she's unbelievable. And my son is amazing, but yep. something brought me there, right? But I was never married before. But no, I mean, the family is the key. Yes, it is. You know, the, the business is important and your focus is good. Mm -hmm. But when you're at work, work. And when you're at home, be at home. Uh, absolutely. Don't, mm -hmm. don't lose sight. And that's where goals come in, right? Mm -hmm. And you're growing. But don't lose sight and spend all your time at that office because yeah. your family is the most important. Absolutely. No, Especially I, when they support you. Yep. That's a great message. Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right. So now that we've captured the essence of Michael Crawley and people are going to want to get in touch with you, make it easy for them, Michael. How do they get in touch with you? MichaelCrawley.thinkingintoresults.com There we go. Yeah. That's my website. Michael Crawley dot thinking into results dot com and i'm on facebook the picture you see here is the picture of me on facebook um i have a group called life without limits mm -hmm. um yeah i'm on linkedin so that's pretty much it drew awesome awesome well michael i want to thank you and i want us to say i'm grateful that you're in my life and we're friends and thank 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 goodness for master networks because that's how we met yes. And uh, and again, thank you for coming on, Michael. And, and we're going to definitely keep in touch and help each other out. But thank you for being who you are and keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thanks, Drew. My pleasure. And listen, you keep being who you are because you're doing a lot of great stuff. Thanks, Michael. Mindset Mastery Coaching. There Drew we go. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Be healthy. Be safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.